The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. It's a story that I heard many, many years ago from the butcher down the street. My father, Sochren Levracha, told it to me. He heard it from the butcher down the street, Mr. Herbst. I've since verified the story with his Enoch They said it was a story that he said over many times. And the story was as follows. He was Berch Yeshiva Bacher age. When the Nazis, Yemach Shemam Vazichram, the Nazis came into his town, and they took everybody, and they threw them into the shul, and then they proceeded to pour petrol, they proceeded to pour gasoline over the shul, and they're going to light up the shul. And the Bacherim were davening and davening and davening, and there were some people over there who were Nebuch in a very, very terrible state, and they were not feeling it, and they were screaming at the Bacherim, what are you doing davening? What's going to happen? What do you think can change? You got gasoline. It's a matter of putting the match to it and we're all done. And he and his chaverim said, Even cherub had a sharp knife, a sharp sword is on a person's neck. We don't give up. We daven to the Rabban Shalom. They had this ganze machlikis over there. And they were davening and saying, No, the Nazis are all getting ready and they're just about ready to go light the match. And all of a sudden, a Wehrmacht officer rides up, drives up, and he sees what's going on. And he says, what in the world are you doing? He starts screaming, and the people inside hear him screaming. And he says, what do you think you're doing? And the Nazi says, what do you mean? It's a bunch of Jews. He says, I don't care who it is. What are you, barbarians? Get out of your mind. You don't kill people. You don't burn people to death. It's not what we do. That's not how we do. That's not what we're fighting for. You're going to let them free right now, and I am going to insist on it. And he was a higher-ranking officer than those moms there. And he said, here I am today. I live to tell the story. Even if a sword is on a sharp sword on a person's neck, you're never, never allowed to be miyayish. Never allowed to be miyayish. You never give up. Never. And I knew the Yiddish happened with. Not, this is not somebody I heard. I knew the Yiddish happened with. He said over this story many, many times. I want to finish Rabbi with one last story. Story that is brought down in the Hakdama to the Sefer Amunas Avram, which is the Sefer from the Pittsburgh Rebbe, Sitzal, Rebbe Avram Abalaifer. Avram Abalaifer was a big tzaddik. He was a Rebbe in Pittsburgh. His father was the first Pittsburgh Rebbe, and he was a Rebbe. And then he moved to, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he moved to Ashdod, somewhere within the I'm almost sure it was Ashdod. His father had four sons, as I recall, three of them. Went, he sent him to learn in Europe, even though he was a rabbi in Pittsburgh. He sent him to learn in Europe. He was from the Nadvorna dynasty. And unfortunately, only one of his sons survived. Who was that son? That son was the Pittsburgher Rebbe that we know, Rabbi Vrom Abelifer. He got out from the Nazis. What was the Misa? He was in the city of Chernowitz. And the Nazis had control. And Kedarkum Betoma, they decreed that all Jews, when they go out, they have to sew a yellow star on their coats, and also that they have to shave their beards. This brought down in Akdama. He was learning the Sefer, and I saw this in the Akdama. It's an incredible, unbelievable story. One day, he, he was not shaving his beard, so he very, very rarely went out. And then one day, somebody came to visit him, and he walked him out, and he wasn't wearing his coat with the yellow star, and he also had not shaven his beard. He was staying by his father-in-law's house. He left the house, and he hadn't done that. And the Nazis found him like that. They pounced on him, and they took him to the compound where they were holding all of the Yidden that Nebuch, they were going to be shipping off to Auschwitz. He knew there's not much hope over here. All the Yidden were there, and they were handling and talking what's going to happen to us and who can get us out and who can 
help us in Israel way. Maybe they're going to only resettle us. Maybe they won't take us to Auschwitz. We heard terrible stories. One can only imagine how terrible it was over there. Rev. Leifer took a different approach. Rev. Leifer said, I'm not in their hands. I'm in the hands of Rabban Shlalem. There's only one thing that I need to do right now. I need to sit down. I need to daven. I need to learn. And I need to daven. That's all I have to do. And he sat himself down in the corner. And for the entire duration, it was a number of days that he was there. And that's all he did. He didn't pay any attention to all the Hakirai, who the allies, what's going to happen, who's going to help, how could we get somebody to help, all the schmoozing and all the rumors and all the tumult, Nishkenvart. The Nazis, Yimach finally decided they have enough people now to justify sending off a transport, and they bring the cattle cars, and they start herding everybody into the cattle cars. And Rav Leifer is one of them as well. As he's about to enter the cattle car, the Nazi officer grabs him, says to him, Do you wait on the side. Wait on the side. And he thought to himself, oh boy, not even going to get to go on the cattle car. I'm not even going to, he thought, it's all over now. I'm not even going to survive today. Why? Because he has a beard. And when they had the Rabbanim, they loved to make a public spectacle out of the Rabbanim. And he knew, he knew this is Mamsh, it's over. And when they finished, they closed the cattle cars, and the Nazi turns to him and he says, I want you to know. I want you to know. Everybody else that we bring over here, what do they do? All day long they sit there and they talk. What are we going to do? And who's going to help us? And how going to help us? Nobody's helping them. He said, but you, I have watched you. And I have seen that from the day that you walked in here. Since we brought you in here, all you've done is you've been talking to your God. Well, your God has listened, and your God is sending you home now. So you go home and go away from here. And then the Pittsburgh Rebbe would say this much. He ran to his father-in-law's house, and ultimately he got out of Europe. And every single year at the Pesach Seder, he would say this to his children. He would say that even when it looks bleak, and even when we have no hope, and even when we think, how can it possibly work? You know, may I and Yabai Ezri, how could it be? It's too late. A Yid never thinks it's too late. It's never too late for the Rabbi Islam with the mamish at the steps of the cattle car. The Nazi himself, Yamach Shemoy Vezichrei, pulls off Rabbi Leifer and saves his life. A few years ago, my son in law shared with me a beautiful story, beautiful story, a difficult story, but a beautiful story. There was a Yid Nebuch had a son who was sick with a terrible machla for a while, and ultimately the child did not make it. And it was very hard on the entire family, very, very, very hard. This year especially, he was so close with this child, and it was very, very hard on him. And they went through the shiva, it was very bitter, and the shloishim. And then, you know, the family, the mother, the children started to pick themselves up, brush themselves off, and get on with life, because that's what you got to do. You got to go right there in life. And as anybody who's gone through any type of tragedy of this nature knows, that's why we have a whole year of Avelis, and over the year we start to come back to ourselves. Well, that's true for most. That was not true for this father. He was so brokenhearted. He was so dejected. He was so, 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 so melancholy from, from this, this terrible event that he, he just could not get himself together, and he, he couldn't go to work, and he could hardly dominate, he could hardly learn. He became dysfunctional. I didn't know what to do for him. I guess they tried all the typical methods, but none of that was working. And finally, somebody had this idea. He says, you know, I'm going to take him to Eretz Yisrael. We're going to take him to the Gedoli Yisrael, and the Gedoli Yisrael, they're going to give him brachas and chizik, and that's going to really schlep him out, pull him out of the doldrums. So they did. They took him from one to the next, and the names he told me were really quite impressive. And each one told him things. You have to be makabal and kolmadar rachman letavavid. 
They each one they gave him brachas and they gave him chizik and they gave him eitzis. Flat. Nothing. 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 Make a difference. They went later to see Rav Shach. Rav Leizer Shach. And Shach listened very, very sympathetically. And then he looks hard at this fellow and he says to him, listen, listen to me. He says, I don't know what Hashem wants from you. Maybe I have some ideas. I have no certainty, no clarity whatsoever. I, I don't know what Hashem wants from you. He says, but one thing I can tell you with 100% certainty, this he doesn't want. He does not want you to fall apart. This I know what he wants, I don't know. But I know what he doesn't want. He doesn't want you falling apart. You think falling apart, this is Ratzin Elohim? It's Nishkin Ratzin Elohim. Nish does vil de ebeshtofenaich. The Rebbe doesn't want this from you. Get on your feet, pull yourself back together, figure it out, figure out where to go from here, but stop this. This is not going to work. And that was the magic potion. That was the pill that turned it all around. The guy heard it and he said, really? Why it hit him, how it hit him, I don't know. But the point is, a person's emotions, even the sad emotions, and emotions coming from a very good place, but they ultimately have to lead to a productive place. I know somebody who, Rahman Latzlan, another person who, Rahman Latzlan lost a son, oh, so, so, so hard on him. I don't remember which of the G'daylam it was whom he went to later to try to pull himself back together. And whoever it was said to him, listen, you have a lot of tsar, you have a lot of pain, this is very hard for you. I want you to channel all that kayach into writing a sefer. They say, you don't never thought to write a sefer. He's actually, the Ben Torah, he's a tire, a man, he's a wonderful guy. He's going to write a sefer. But he said, instead of allowing your mind and your energies to take you down a negative path, I want you to take those energies and channel them toward a good path. And he's well on his way to producing a beautiful, beautiful sefer, Bezus Hashem. And why is that? Because that's how we have to be. So it's, it's okay to be sad. And it's okay to feel terrible for them. It is. But the question is, it can't lead into the abyss. It can't lead to nowhere. It's not a road to nowhere. It's got to be a road to somewhere. So therefore, because I feel sad, and because I this, therefore I'm going to do what? Am I going to organize a Shemir Salashen? Am I going to organize a different type of a skula? Am I going to organize a Tilim saying? Am I going to take collect money for people who need money? The list of causes, Rachman Litzlan, are endless. There's so many good causes. That's where you got to take this and channel what you're feeling into that. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.